Chapter Twenty of Rialaro, the Archipelago of Exiles by Godfrey Swevin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fulgar. The adjacent island over which we had to pass almost made me regret our departure from what next. It was a low, marshy, rich-soiled island that did not bulk into the appearance of land till we were almost halfway across the straits. A few knolls, like a row of buttons, ran across it and gave the appearance at first of a thread of minute islets strung rosary fashion. They were each topped with either a house or a group of houses that as we approached stood out amid groves of trees against the sky. A nearer view made the island even more picturesque. Streams and brooks flashed in and out across the low terraces that, meadowed and treed, broke the slope downwards to the shore. When we reached the surf, there was no one to be seen, but for the cultivated aspects of the centre, we should have said that the island was uninhabited. We shot through the broken water at the mouth of a stream, and ran up its channel as far as the shallows would permit. We moored our boat and made for a little village that nestled at the foot of one of the hills, but we could not get anyone to speak to us. I thought that they were all deaf, till Sneakape demonstrated the contrary. One to whom we spoke went like the others past us, his nose turned skywards. My companion at once imitated with his tongue the twanging of a bowstring and the whiz and clope of an arrow that enters wood. The figure first cowered and then ran, and when at a safe distance, glanced furtively round. We left the islander to recover from his fright and turned into what seemed a shop in the long street. Here we experienced wholly different treatment. We made extensive purchases of personal clothing and exchanged our absurd medlarian guise for this. Our appearance was now less like that of circus clowns. And something in our gait and manner, something perhaps imperious, changed the sullen irresponsiveness of the shopman into the most obsequious attention. He rubbed his hands and bowed before us, anticipating our every wish. He grew servile and cringing, and Sneakape fooled him to the top of his bent. He got the whole of the goods of the shop turned out upon the tables. He objected to everything, or showed the loftiest contempt for the services and eagerness of the capering, bowing salesman. He ordered this or that in the loudest and vulgarest of tones, and the man danced attendance on him all the more abjectly. I stood by and wondered at the change from the haughty churlishness to the supple servility. It came about after and not before we had made our purchases and donned them. In spite of the trouble that Sneak Cape had given to the clothier, he bought nothing more, and yet was bowed out of the shop with the most fawning of smiles. We entered another at the upper end of the street, and our reputation, or rather Sneak Cape's, had preceded us, for we experienced the same sycophantic court. The attendants bowed us in and offered us seats with bent eyes and gracious smiles. We wished something to eat and drink, 
and my guide gave his orders with the same insolent parade and pompous voice that he had assumed in the garment store it was indeed amusing to see how the shopman bustled about and smirked and bowed to his every command i knew that there must be another section of the islanders who indulged freely in the manner sneak cape had assumed loud overbearing tones inflated contempt and supercilious swagger i had not long to wait for a specimen a female islander sailed into the eating shop with an elevation of her nose and chin that would have annihilated a less impudent man than my fellow traveller i sat in my corner and watched she assumed the most complete oblivion of our existence although we sat right in front of her a minute had elapsed before any one of the attendants had perceived her entrance she answered his eager and servile inquiries as to her wishes by freezing silence she still held her nose in the air far above mere terrene interests he offered her a seat and after a time she bent her rigid frame and majestically rested he then retired to the background crushed when she had settled her dress and airs a trumpet note of the loudest most contemptuous kind recalled him to her side and he knelt down before her and apparently begged her pardon and the knowledge of her wishes she ordered like a drill sergeant when the food and drink came there was a comparative lull nothing but the sound of her instruments and jaws for five minutes sneekape outswaggered her he paraded with proud strut from side to side of the shop and trumpeted his orders into general space till the whole of the attendants buzzed around him like a swarm of bees leaving the high-toned engulfer of ians in solitary state even the clatter of her plate and spoon seemed to subside it was as when a rooster in full crow in the middle of the barnyard on a sudden hears another crow more lustily within a few yards of him with wings depressed and feeble strut he collapses and seeks a safe corner whilst the partlets range round the newcomer he knew the human nature he had to deal with that coarse swaggering fibre of would-be aristocracies that is on one side bully and on the other craven there was an almost subdued tone of appeal in the lady's voice when she next addressed the shopman and she sidled out worsted and crestfallen there was a buzz of interest around us as we inquired our way to the main town and traversed it the story of sneekape's lordly airs and voice had preceded us great court was paid us by those who were evidently members of the trading class whilst labourers assumed a peculiar rigidity of body their usual method of showing respect to a superior the few of the lordly class we came across passed us by with a prolonged stare that seemed as if it would investigate the internal machinery of our bodies we had not got far into the streets of the town when an elaborately arrayed flunky gleaming in purple and gold stopped us with a servile genuflection and besought us in the name of soma and sama de lorna the latter of whom had met us in the eating-shop to do them the honour of resting at their house we had nothing else to do and sneekape in his most lordly manner bade the lackey lead the way we entered a fortified courtyard surrounded by low houses evidently the dwelling-places of the menials of the household across it 
we reached a showy portal whose doors opened with a suddenness that was overawing we were bowed in from lackey to lackey through a gloomy and pompous hall and were at last ushered into a great room that was almost grotesque in its equipment everywhere were sculptured or painted forms of men and women in their burial dress the ghastly lustreless gaze of the dead upon their faces around each were gathered what were evidently the favourite relics of the original here a hunting whip there the skins or feathers of wild animals here a skull mounted as a drinking cup there the mummified feature of some animal or human being it was a great museum of the dead perhaps the ancestry of the household above each figure was stuck what seemed a heraldic emblem wreathed in the folds of some white cloth brocaded with gold and in front of it what might be a little altar a shallow cup on it that steamed and smoked with smouldering fragrance after a delay of an hour or more our hostess entered with great bustle and retinue she apologized so i was afterwards told for not having shown in the shop the courtesies of fulgar to so distinguished strangers it was sneekape she meant for she turned to him and bowed and smirked and acted most graciously to him in her majesty she was not massive yet the performance was like that of an elephant condescending to a minuet my companion was equal to the occasion and trumpeted forth as lordly apologies bowing as graciously he began with distant references to his far-back ancestry astutely introducing some of the most distinguished names of riolaro he made large drafts on his imagination he afterwards acknowledged to me when he was elevating himself at the expense of the fulgarians by showing me how he laughed at them for she too had entered on the imaginative task of out-ancestoring him the contest was evidently a very keen one for the two bridled up to new hotter at intervals i did not understand the conversation yet i could see the drift of it in the gestures and interplay of emotion on the faces it ended in another victory for my guide as i could see by the obsequious manner in which she now treated him in spite of the presence of her menials who had come to announce the approach of her lord this great red-headed lout bent himself low before each of the funeral figures on the one side of the room as he came up i afterwards learned that these were his ancestors then with a stiff majesty that ill-suited his swollen pompous figure he approached us and bowed he was the coarsest specimen of humanity i had ever seen if he was proud of his ancestry it was difficult to understand how there could be any reciprocity in the feeling should their spirits be conscious he had a huge ill-cut chasm for a mouth even larger than sneekapes and the thick lips would never fulfil their original purpose of concealing the amorphous unsightly teeth and the processes of salivation and speech two processes that were ever in foamy spluttering contest he would insist on stretching the slit to its fullest elasticity by wearing a sickly patronizing smile and the rusty red hair sprawled over various sections of his face and failed to conceal what it might have concealed with advantage 
the sections left it exposed to view were measly with freckles and new artistic patterns of terracotta still he held himself with the personal vanity of an adonis and it would not be hard to conceive him dying of love of his own reflection like narcissus in the myth yet he was so substantial that the process would have to be spread over years if not centuries he knew aleophanian and he prelected to me with the condensation of a god on the greatness of his ancestors it was the dreariest inflection i had ever borne but he would allow no interruption and with considerable diplomacy he turned the flank of sneakape's endeavours to try a fall with him he had me all to himself whilst his wife abased herself before my companion he made up for the abasement by a truly pavonine strut and spread of his feathers amongst the few items of fact that floated on the torrent of his imagination were these the name of the island was translated the land of lofty lineage and there were none amongst them whose ancestry did not trace back to some god their history covered myriads of centuries and no race on the face of the earth or even in the heaven above could compare with them in ancientness or nobility ah they were the most unfortunate of men so lonely in their majestic isolation there being none in the universe with whom they could deal on an equal footing the thought took him up into regions whither ordinary mortals evidently could not follow the gross features were as near transfiguration as they could ever be i was glad to be ignored or at least unaddressed during his reverie on the solemn grandeur of his solitude in the universe glad to feel i was too insignificant for his lofty notice he strutted with a low cooing chuckle as if he were superintending the hatching of a world sneekape jerked him out of his trance as with a lasso he used an epithet which he afterwards told me implied in these islands the obliteration of ancestry what would be considered nihilism in fulgar it was like a whip-stroke to the bovine frame he writhed as if stung his persecutor followed up the interjection with a stream of eulogy of his own ancestors piling in heroes and gods till the lineage overshadowed all mortal heraldry the keeper of the great ancestral museum and saint shop in which we were fell at the feet of this braggart visitor prostrate he had been outboasted and grovelled before his surpassing artist in heraldic imagination and in the vulgarities on which he so prided himself he gave us a retinue wherever we went throughout the islands and faded us every day till we grew sick of his unwholesome attentions he looked as if he would lick the ground over which sneekape walked a man with so great a lineage and such lordly airs and voice must be made much of sneekape had still a wicked twinkle in his eye he gave the gorgeous servants of our host a high-sounding embassy to return with and then led me away through the by-lanes to an unpretentious if not squalid section of the town we stopped before what i would have called an ancient temple it looked outside as if worn by the weather of centuries and it was clothed with their filth too it had upon its pediment a huge inscription in letters of gold 
and this according to sneekape's interpretation meant honour thy forefathers they circulate in thy veins and guide thy life there is no godhead equal to theirs a feeling of solemnity came over me as we stepped into the antique portico of what was the oldest shrine of ancestry worship in the archipelago all round there were evidences of primitive customs and relics of olden times and in spite of the filth and dust of ages worshippers in rich robes knelt or moved about with anxious looks upon their faces i suppose that they were waiting for admission to the inner temple though they had a skulking gait seemed to try to avoid recognition and had their hoods drawn over their faces every few minutes men with villainous low brows whom i took from their official robes to be attendant priests came out of the great folding doors and had conference with one or other of the hooded figures in confidential whispers my curiosity was deeply excited for the service was evidently proceeding even in the street as i approached the building i could hear the hubbub of adoration and when the door opened the babble of voices suppliant or horitative burst upon our ears in deafening tumult sneekape approached an attendant after much haggling during which i saw several times the half-concealed passage of coin from palm to palm he seemed to succeed in his requests we were soon threading our way along devious and dark passages i stumbled frequently but after escaping many risks of accident we found ourselves again outside of a door that smothered the devotional riot within and in another moment we had plunged into the tempestuous ocean of devotees it was some time before i collected my wits sufficiently to observe the centre of the scene it was a huge priest in official robes standing in a raised pulpit with two subordinates seated beside him writing in books and a bevy of acolytes buzzing hither and thither around the dais he was shouting almost continuously with stentorian lungs that must have needed the full capacity of his huge chest to contain he had a hammer in his hand and with this he pointed in various directions throughout the congregation as he exhorted or chided besought or encouraged and ever anon a sounding blow of the mallet on his desk would still the babble for a moment while the buzzing acolytes rushed hither and thither bearing new documents or inscriptions that were evidently portions of the sacred writings i looked round at the sea of faces upturned in worship and i thought i had never seen such a villainous collection outside of a criminal court it was little wonder that the priest had to exert himself so frantically if he were to make any religious impression on such a crowd their countenances belied them if they did not stand sorely in need of his exhortations the officiant was now ready with another portion of the scripture an inordinately long scroll and around nine inches behind him had been placed by the acolytes a row of mild-faced images that i took to be a collection of minor deities evidently of one family for there was a strong likeness in the countenances of all of them again the tumult of devotion rose i felt scared by its importancy and reflected that no god would dare to disregard such a deafening invocation but the priest's voice rose above it like thunder in a tempest 
he appealed to them in bovine tones and with postulant gestures he exhibited his script and read portions aloud for their benefit he turned back to the images and seemed to laud them to heaven and ever again he jerked out some appeal to the assembly gesturing wildly with his mallet and responses to his litany came now from one worshipper and now another as the scene proceeded the service seemed to narrow itself to three officiants the priest in his pulpit and two somewhat lordly-looking worshippers whose faces i could not at first see the interchange of appeal and reply was like a fusillade so rapid and sharp was it and ever and anon the acolytes held up an image or raised the long strip of manuscript in the air the suppressed excitement in the assembly grew intense not a sound was heard but the voices of the three officiants that of the priest in the pulpit predominating the crisis was evidently approaching the threefold litany crackling out upon the blank silence like thunder on the depth of midnight i was conjecturing what would be the climax when the mallet rapped with a sharp click on the desk and the acolytes bore off the images and the manuscript one of the response givers turned around and his face was dark and troubled as a tumultuous sea under the shadow of a cloud with excited gestures and rising notations the worshippers bustled out a fierce quarrel was manifestly on foot there being i could see two contending sects present face turned to face with darkening scowl and arrested threat religious fervor had changed into virulent bigotry and the narrow space within the temple seemed to accentuate the suppressed volcanic fire to judge by the fierce dark faces all hieroglyphed by the passions of a murderous past there was bloodshed in store for the two divisions of the church we did not follow them but before long we could hear in the neighborhood the furious cries of a sanguinary contest with a fringe of feminine wailing and screeching sneekape drew me aside and when the crowd had thinned off we went into what seemed a huge warehouse in the rear of the temple here were great rows of images and countless rolls of manuscript and the attendants were taking from the hands of hooded figures and other images and rolls my guide took me into a still corner and told me that this was a pedigree pawn-shop we had entered and that the scene we had just witnessed was an auction of ancestors the great temple of ancestral worship had been poverty-stricken till it had recognized the signs of the times and ceased to prohibit with its ban the secret but long-established traffic in lineage throughout the island and archipelago the ever-progressive extravagance and impoverishment of old families had led to its necessary consequence an ancestry exchange where for a consideration a new favorite of fortune could acquire an ancestry with its good name and titles and its resultant social position and prestige it is true the commodity was encumbered with a few stones of human flesh in the shape of a daughter of the family whom the newly enriched or son had to marry or in the shape of a son to whom he had to give his daughter in marriage but there was a discount for that and he could soon get clear of the encumbrances by divorcing it to some other island 
there was generally a higgling of the market according as there was more supply or more demand all over the archipelago the mothers and fathers of the old families prided themselves on their bargaining skill they drew from the aspirant the more coin the more they disparaged himself and his forefather if they could make him out a black guard so much the better bargain they could drive most romantic stories were told of great fortunes being made out of such a sale through the employment of detectives who found out the scoundrelism of the buyer's past the church had for centuries considered the traffic as a desecration of the ancestral worship that it cherished and frowned upon it and the consequence was that it itself sunk in poverty and neglect but a generation before a great ecclesiastical genius arose who saw the possibilities of the practice and blessed it instead of cursing it he organized it into a regular business over which the priests presided he established the famous ancestral pawnshop behind the ancient temple and extended its operations through the whole archipelago at first the priests kept the commerce semi-private so as to save the feelings of the old families but most of these latter had no compunctions about the haggling for a price and pressed the church officials more and more eagerly to openly make a good bargain for them after a time the business became so large and open that an auction was established in the temple and bidders gathered from all parts of the archipelago the growth of commerce and the rise of new families to wealth at first overtook the supply and then outdistanced it an old family name and pedigree was one of the dearest of commodities and re-enriched impoverished households still some of them shrank from the publicity of the auction and pawnshop of ancestry and came thither with their proposals hooded and unrecognizable the church and then the individual priests grew rapidly in wealth and their increasing taste for luxury demanded larger and still larger income they established agencies in other islands and at last to meet the demand set up a great pedigree factory our next visit was to this one department of it printed off the long strips of parchment with fictitious records of lineage the earlier part of it in ancient letters and language and stained it with marks of age another department manufactured images and artistically chipped cracked and sullied them into true relics of antiquity it was indeed difficult to distinguish the old models from the new imitations and i was not surprised to hear that the buyers of the brand new pedigrees held their heads as high as those who had to pay ten times as much for a well-known ancestry in titles the priests alone knew the difference and it was their interest to keep it secret and preserve the skill in distinguishing true from false as a trade mystery sneekape told me afterwards that it was the rarest of all privileges to get admission to the factory of lineage he had great personal influence with one of the chief priests and considerable pecuniary influence over the subordinates we were both sworn to secrecy over the sacred writings and by ceremonies that were meant to overawe us i cannot say that i felt much inclined to reveal anything i saw so ordinary did it seem to me what impressed me most deeply was the auction in the temple 
i had never encountered any instance so bold and unconcealing of a practice common to all peoples yet usually hidden under a thousand different fine names and subterfuges the scene engraved itself upon my memory the priestly auctioneer crying up his goods and the wild dark-faced assembly of bidders loudly competitive i was soon led to understand that it had been an auction to be remembered even by a people accustomed to such scenes the ancestry had been that of one of the most famous families in the archipelago a family of statesmen reformers divines and philanthropists once of enormous wealth now reduced to what was comparative poverty in that age of luxury there was attached to the title and lineage the condition that the purchaser should marry the only female representative a beautiful and gentle-hearted young girl and the condition had this time given enhanced value to the pedigree it drew bidders from all portions of the archipelago but amongst them it soon came to be generally whispered about that no one had any chance against two notorious corsairs of brulee who had lately retired from the overt pursuit of their profession with huge fortunes and bought great estates and castles in the island the hooded figures in the portico had been the sellers hovering about awaiting the result at first the other bidders kept up the running but the price soon overleapt the resources of all but the two pirates who had each a force of his old sailors and followers ready to carry out what his purse might not be able to do i had seen the conclusion of the matter as far as the temple was concerned but the true conclusion had to be reached by the aid of knives in the open air i protested against the fate of the young lady who would have to pass her life with her piratical purchaser but sneekape and his friends on the islands only laughed at such a mistaken view of a provision of nature crokia the successful corsair had paid his full price never had any lot had such a good market the old family was set on its legs again the girl was supremely happy for she would have everything that money could purchase and her husband though he still had interest in several piratical craft that were doing a handsome business in the archipelago had thoroughly reformed and having settled down to the life of a respectable citizen was worthy of the best pedigree he could purchase he would now move about with his head high in the most aristocratic circles of the best islands and where could any girl find a better match her people it seems held high festival over the result of the auction for although they had bartered away the good name of the family they had restored its fortunes what nobler thing could religion have done for ancestors than to provide them with an organized and respectable means of raising the family out of the slough of poverty and misfortune and attaching themselves to a new and successful family the church had shown itself a true philanthropist in thus acting as intermediary between ancestried poverty and ignoble wealth after this explanation and defence of the system i was anxious to return to the temple and watch another auction and as a large number of small pedigrees were to be sold the scene was sure to be interesting and varied to me it was from one point ludicrous from another sad 
the efficient priest evidently using phrases that he had used thousands of times before stirred the competitive eagerness of the audience here we have one of the finest commodities i have ever submitted in this temple look at the length of the pedigree roll it out before the gentlemen show them the great names that occur in it call out the lateral connections of the family with the greatest families of the archipelago now gentlemen let us have a bid the opportunity will never recur i have clients behind here in the pignorative warehouse who have been pressing me to submit it to a private sale why i should have sold it twenty times over since the family put it into my hands but i determined that the public my old faithful clients should have the first offer a hundred pounds come come you're joking let us begin with two hundred you think this is a pedigree from the isle of socialists i tell you it is from the greatest country of the archipelago from aliofan now look at the images of the ancestors here is one who alone is worth the money he has got the lineaments of a god and his life is written in the annals of the country just hold up this image to the gentleman this you can see is the face of a philosopher thought in his every wrinkle wisdom in the stoop of his shoulders lofty meditation in the gaze of his brooding eyes pass on to the next in the row who cannot see in his old front stern mouth and chin and high cheekbones and the lines of a successful warrior victory is written all over his face and mien and if you look into the features you will see in the scars upon his face the map of his innumerable battlefields now gentlemen you can never be ashamed of a lineage like this what only ten pounds more no no i must have twenty pound bids and the lady who owns this lineage is a goddess in beauty and gait why if i were not so old i would unfrock me of my priesthood and bid for the pedigree myself so fair and so divine is she no no it would not be sacrilege to let it go for such a paltry sum i could make out some of this now from his gestures aided by my knowledge of the temple and its trade and sneekape eked out my conjectures by his running translation the pedigree was knocked down for coin equivalent to our thousand pounds to a chimney-sweep who had made a fortune by extracting some valuable chemical from the soot now that he had a pedigree and an estate he became a transmuter of fire products and afterwards moved in the best social circles of the archipelago my guide slyly drew me up towards the images and manuscripts as they passed out and showed me that they had been amongst the most recent production of the factory where the priests got the divine lady attached to them he said he could not explain perhaps this was their method of disposing of undowried unancestored girls it revealed at last the source of the vast and increasing wealth of the temple up until this experience of mine i had thought that they had no public religion each household it had seemed to me at first had its own and worshipped its ancestors with the usual outward devotion and inward freedom they cared little for the character of those they worshipped whether good or bad 
and called only that divine in them which fitted their own desires and passions there were amongst them all the evils of inbreeding intensified by its being in the sphere of religion they were tortured with morbidity and other diseases of the spirit such as a sort of moral epilepsy and spiritual anemia the worst malady amongst them was that which made them seem insane to the other inhabitants of the archipelago intellectual wryneck and tipnose they could never look at anything or person without getting their perspective twisted by a vision false or true of some far-back past they were ever craning their necks back to an ancestry generally fictitious or lifting their noses high above someone who did not trouble himself about whether he had any or not my guide had neither the conscience nor the honour to feel any scruples about taking advantage of their weakness he trumpeted and strutted in a more and more lordly vulgar way till the fulgarians amored though they were in genealogies and reached farther back than the creation licked the dust off his feet if they had not been such mean bullies and parasites themselves i should have been sorry for them so heartlessly did he trample upon their most sacred treasures and feelings his ancestral references were as fictitious as most of theirs but they were magnificent lies brazened out irrespective of human weaknesses poor lank body though he had he managed to give it an appearance of volume by bulging his chest and raising his nose in the air and stamping his feet on the ground and by some means i never discovered he changed his low nasal voice into a bovine trumpet note with which he outbullied the loudest lineage braggarty of the fulgarians the meaner side of human nature was gratified to see these pompous pretenders and bullies biting the dust before one of their own kin and revealing so plainly how natural to them was the other side of their nature cowardice and fawning he was their supreme god for a day or two yet he knew that the charm would not work long and that when they discovered how like he was to themselves as an artist in genealogical fiction they would turn and rend him he chose the very top of the wave of devotion and we made a triumphal exit our canoe full of all manner of dainties and luxurious foods to the last they kept their cringing attitude long after we had shot over the bar and put to sea we could discern their bodies bending to the ground as in an act of worship sneekape laughed aloud when we got out of earshot and eyeshot i did not join in the outburst the spirit of coarse mockery and triumph by means of deceit was even worse than the mixture of bullying and grovelling we had just seen he was evidently much surprised and tried to explain the jest to me he said that these islanders were the butt of the archipelago the meanest laughed at them for the lordly airs they assumed and when his people were in lack of a good laugh or jest they organized an expedition to fulgar taking with them some comedian who would by his outlording their lordliness bring all to the dust-kissing stage of fawning it was the happy hunting ground of practical jokers and they seldom failed to raise some good game so mad were the islanders with the itch for ancestry the usual translation of its name throughout the archipelago was the isle of snobs 
End of chapter 20